Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. The Gaius, you're on the other receiving end of this, and there's men and women in your life, as you look in the past of your life, men and women that have been an important part of your spiritual growth. Maybe it's just for a short time frame, maybe it's an extended time frame, but there are those that had poured out their lives into your life, and today as you're walking in Christ. You can look and you can kind of put all the pieces together now in retrospect, and you can see that that direct result of the fact that, and they didn't give up on me when I was such a jerk. You likely have someone in your life that somewhere along your journey played a role in your salvation. Perhaps it was a Sunday school teacher or a college roommate who didn't give up, or even a coworker who shared an encouraging word or two. In his message today, Pastor David encourages you to reach out to that individual and share with them what a blessing they were in your life. Be a blessing to them by sharing that you are still walking with the Lord. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 3 John as he continues his message, Encourage to Condemn to Commend. depth of the spiritual life of Gaius, the testimony of his life, again, had had been made known, again, as he had interacted not only with John at some time in the past, but with other brothers that that John had heard about. Verse 3 actually says, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you, just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know what, I, I look at this, and I cannot imagine a pastor that's worth his salt who would read that passage and not give a, a, a hearty amen to the fact, man, I, I am so blessed. I have no greater joy than to hear those that uh, I serve and I minister with, man, that they are walking in truth. To hear that someone close to you, perhaps someone maybe even not not as a pastor, but just you personally, that you had had the opportunity to perhaps disciple. Maybe you wouldn't even call it disciple, but you've poured into their life in some spiritual way. And for you to then find out years down the road, man, they're doing well in the Lord. They're still maturing in their faith. They're walking according to the true word of God in their life. They're living a life of truth before God 
and before man. And you know that years ago, you had some impact on their life. Maybe you were a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you were a, a co-worker at some uh, company, and you were able to just kind of share your faith with them. Maybe they became a believer then. Maybe it didn't happen until later on after, again, you were out of the scene. I, I know that that happens, man. Some plant, some water, and some so. Paul explains that to us. Man, the impact that you've had in people's lives, how awesome that is to hear about years later. Man, they're growing in the Lord. They're doing well in the Lord. Man, that's so exciting. What a blessing it is to hear that those who you had some sort of impact in the past, that they're still doing well today. Again, I don't care if you are just a co-worker, Bible study leader, Sunday school teacher, just a brother, a sister in the Lord, maybe within the same church, but again, you just kind of iron sharpening iron as brothers or sisters, encouraging a younger believer. Maybe you were the one that had the opportunity of actually leading them to Christ, seeing what God is doing in their life. Man, it's got to bring a smile to both your face as well as your heart as you learn from way back then when they were with you. Man, they've continued on in this journey called Christian maturity, and they're doing well. Maybe for you, though, maybe you are the Gaius. You're on the other receiving end of this, and there's men and women in your life, as you look in the past of your life, men and women that have been an important part of your spiritual growth. Maybe it's just for a short time frame. Maybe it's an extended time frame. But there are those that had poured out their lives into your life, and today as you're walking in Christ, you can look and you can kind of put all the pieces together now in retrospect, and you can see that that direct result of the fact that, man, they didn't give up on me when I was such a jerk, or man, the way that I was, and yet they continued to love on me, continued to care about me. And you you think of people in your life that just never gave up. They were, they were there for you. Their love, their, their concern for you. Again, as deep as the apostles is here for Gaius, causing them again, causing you to stay on course and to be continually encouraged in the faith. So my question now is, having hopefully stirred your brain up for those men, those women that have touched your life in the past, when was the last time Maybe you took time to drop them a note. Shoot a quick text. A little note on Facebook. Maybe a shout out on Facebook. Maybe the Lord will lay somebody on your heart that has had an impact in your spiritual life that you want to not only give glory for, but you just want to maybe be an encouragement to them to, again, let them maybe hear. Because when they hear that good news. I think they're going to be just like the apostle John here, that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I think it's important to not only remember those that have been effective in your life, but also to just kind of encourage them. Because I don't care where they're at in life, they also need encouragement, just as we all do. Let somebody know. Let somebody know this week that they've been influential in your personal spiritual life. 
that their work of love, their work of faith on you uh, hasn't been wasted. And even more than that, it hasn't been stolen by the enemy. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we pour into people's lives, man, the enemy's going to come in and he's going to grab it away. What a great word it is to hear that somebody that you poured into your life, man, the enemy tried to steal it. But I want you to know, God persevered. And I'm walking in the Lord today. Back uh, the third John again, there had been those that had either been sent out by the apostle himself or that at least he had been made aware of that had gone out. Those missionaries or those messengers, they came into the area there where Gaius was. And Gaius himself, he had treated them very properly. He treated them with solid Christian love and care. That's why we see in verse 5, as John writes, he said, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. In other words, they came back and they said, hey, church, listen, we were just over, you know, at such and such a city or such such a church, and our brother Gaius over there, man, what a blessing he is. He just, man, surrounded us in love. He cared for us. He met the, the needs within our lives. He's a good brother. We just want to give a testimony. That's apparently what happened here, who have borne witness of your love before the church. Now, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. They went forward. Were they missionaries? It kind of seems like they were. They were missionaries that probably, even as Jesus sent out his disciples, remember two by two, he says, man, don't even take a purse with you. Don't take any extra funds with you. You just go out, and as you minister, you'll see those that'll take care of you. Perhaps that's exactly what was going on here. Uh, Verse 8 says, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become, again, fellow workers for the truth. These travelers came into the care of Gaius, and he treated them in in the way that he should. Uh, There was true hospitality. Again, he exercised this purposefully with these brothers as they came, even though they were pretty much strangers. They were unknown to Gaius uh, personally. They came as ambassadors of the Lord, and because of that, Gaius treated them Again, as ambassadors to the Lord. And so John commends him for his care. And he actually uses Gaius' example, exactly how we should treat those that come our way in service to the Lord. Whether it be uh, an individual that we know, we have multiple speakers throughout the years that come. Man, we want to bless them because they're here. They're serving the Lord. They're pouring into this fellowship. Bless them uh, financially. We bless them with hospitality. We want them to know that, again, we care about what they're doing. We care about their service and their ministry. In addition to the attitude that we need to have as Christians, there's also a very interesting aspect that I I was kind of reminded of, I I knew it, but I was reminded of as I was studying this and getting ready for this evening. Again, the cultural attitude of the Middle East, particularly at that time, but it's also there even somewhat even, even today. And we need to remember this even as we understand what's going on here, not only with with Gaius, but also in just a moment with Diotrephes, how 
bad the situation is with Diotrephes and how good it was with Gaius. Actually, I, I pulled from an article, it's a 1986 uh, article about hospitality in the Mediterranean or the Near Eastern world, written by a guy by B.J. Molina, and uh, it was quoted in another book in, in a commentary that I have. But here's what it says about the hospitality, and this is the important part. Hospitality, and again, speaking in the Middle East, Mediterranean area in the Middle East, hospitality might be defined as the process by means of which an outsider's status is changed from stranger to guest. Okay? So in hospitality makes a stranger a guest. Hospitality is not something a person provides for family or friends. You know, when you entertain family and friends, that's not really the hospitality they're talking about here. You're just doing that for family and friends. This is when we're talking about strangers, and he gets to this. Hospitality is for strangers. Strangers need this kind of hospitality. For otherwise, they'll be treated as, as he writes here, non-human because they are potentially a threat to the community. So a stranger comes in, and everybody shuns them. We don't know who that is. They might be a threat. Okay, so he goes on here. In that time, particularly in the first century, strangers had no standing in law or custom in a new land that they would go into. Okay? Therefore, they needed a patron in the community that they were visiting. Hospitality was not reciprocated between individuals, though. And this is an interesting thing. It was reciprocated between communities. So in other words, if somebody came from my community to go and visit you, and you treated them very well, you're actually extending hospitality to my whole community. And then now my community is going to be friendly with your community. The opposite is true, too. If I send somebody to your community and you mistreat them, guess what my community is going to feel toward your community? That attack and that division there. So bearing that in mind, he goes on. It was to the stranger's own community that they were obliged to sing the praises of their hosts if they treated them well. And that's why John even writes here, hey, when they got back, man, they sang your praises. They declared, you know, these things to the church. Again, just a Middle Eastern custom. Said that they would sing the praises of the host if they had been treated well and to which they would report adversely if they had not been welcomed properly. And we're going to look at that in a moment. He goes on to say, communities who repay hospitality to strangers from another community, they will pay hospitality to strangers from another community if that community had treated their own people well. Letters of recommendation were important in this whole matter of hospitality. Their function was to help divest the stranger of his strangeness. I love that. You go in and say, I don't know you from Adam. Oh, but I've got a letter from somebody you do know. Oh, hey, come on in, man. Come on in, sit at the table. To refuse 
Catch this. To refuse to accept those recommended was to dishonor the one who commended them. And in the Mediterranean culture of the first century, the one dishonored had to seek satisfaction or bear the shame heaped upon him by the refusal of his commendation. Now, bearing that in mind, let's begin in verse 9. John continues on writing. He says, I wrote to the church a letter of commendation. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us. In other words, gossiping against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to putting them out of the church. Man, in these short two verses, that's where, this is where the biggest drama comes in this whole drama scene here. Man, this uh, Diotrephes, what's going on in his head, in his, definitely in his spirit. We don't have the whole of the issue here. We don't know all that happened. But I believe that we have enough of what's going on to help us kind of correctly fill in some blanks without getting too far off course. Rather or not, the church that Gaius was a part of was also the church that John writes to. We're not really for certain. We don't know if there were two different ones, but Gaius knew about Diotrephes. We don't know for sure. Who exactly uh, Diotrephes is, again, not real certain on that. Was he a pastor? Was he an elder? Was he somebody that just kind of took leadership within the church, didn't really have a title? We just don't know. But there are some things that kind of help us to, again, draw some conclusions that, again, once again, shouldn't be too far off the mark. Apparently, John had written a letter of recommendation or commendation to a church as some of these brothers were traveling through the area. Contents of the letter, we really don't have any clues. But apparently, Diotrephes just simply rejected the letter right out, rejected the message of the letter. John does speak of some of these brethren that, again, uh, they, they also, they were not received personally by Diotrephes, and perhaps, again, that, that letter just was to introduce them, and he rejected the letter, he rejected these guys, and, and that's just the kind of person that he was. There seems to be a, a, a very rebellious, a very kind of a contentious streak about this Diotrephes. And as we just read, these letters of recommendation, they were important in the matters of hospitality. Their function, remember, was to help divest the stranger of his strangeness. Uh, And then once again, he had also said to refuse to accept that recommended, uh, those recommended, again, was to dishonor the one who commended them. So right here, Diotrephes, with, with, with rejecting John's letter, And then rejecting the people that John is commending to the church, he's saying, John, I don't care about you one bit. As a matter of fact, John, I'm the one in charge here and not you. You got to think, well, who are you talking to here, man? You're talking to John the Apostle. 
The guy, the guy by now, man, he's been, he's been serving the Lord for years and years and years. You know, influential within the church all over and to serve the Lord in such a powerful way. Now, this Diotrephes, whoever he is, and, and it's interesting, he's, he's got a, a Greek name, so he's not a Jewish convert, so he probably has absolutely no care about any of the background of, of John or Judaism at that point in time. This letter being sent out, Diotrephes, he rejects it. He rejects then the authority of the elder, of the, the apostle John. Whatever Diotrephes' position was there at the church, he had definitely, as John writes, he had definitely put himself to have a place of preeminence among everybody. He thought himself was something, okay? He was puffed up. And again, he felt that he was in control. Maybe he was the leader of a church there, but then even at that, to cause that division from the Apostle John, from the Mediterranean culture, from everything that's going on there, man, this guy just had a major, major pride issue going on, rejecting the letter, rejecting the Apostle, rejecting these visiting brothers. Little doubt but that Diotrephes, in whatever kind of personality traits he had, he had undoubtedly coerced some of the others within that church to allow him to be able to have that kind of authority. Guys, you just don't walk in and say, hey, I'm in charge here, unless you've got a really bunch of lame people that, that don't care about anything. Somehow he came in, whether it be his personality style or whatever it is, and he set himself up as this authority. And now he's the one that's stopping the letter, stopping the apostle, stopping these brothers from coming in. Others within the church would either have to accept his ego-driven personality. Uh, They would have had to have submitted, no doubt. This isn't the first time his pride and his ego rose up in the thing. They, they would have had to been submitted to that. Otherwise, he, he wouldn't have been able to have that kind of authority continually. So people were letting him be abusive in that way, and they continued under that authority. Guys, that is such a horrible, horrible position for a church to get into. Abusive leadership should never be tolerated, ever. And again, whether it be in the first century or the 21st century, should never, ever be tolerated. In the rejection of the letter, in his rejection of the apostle, in his rejection of these visiting brothers, Diotrephes places himself above all of them, looking for his own glorification, putting himself in that position of authority. And we also read, again, that that gossiping with these malicious words, undoubtedly trying to build his case with, uh, again, this, this already way too submissive church body, way too submissive church body. His attitude is, is already caused a, a spirit of separation the spirit of, of division from the rest of the body of Christ. I hate seeing churches that are on an island in and of themselves. And they neither care nor do they reach out to other fellowships within the area. Are we, are we different in, in areas of, of, of structure? Yes. 
Are there areas of doctrine we may differ in? Certainly. Is our worship, perchance, different, maybe peculiar for them, or they're peculiar for us? Certainly. But you know what? If the message of that church is that salvation is through faith in Christ and in Christ alone, through no other thing, but again, through the work of Jesus Christ... so glad we could be with you today as we opened God's Word and dove deeply into its goodness and truth. If you missed any part of today's message in John's epistles, we encourage you to catch up on our website, theopenword.com. There you'll be able to browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of The Open Word. We'd love to hear from you too and find out how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 520-836-9676. Is social media part of your routine? Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link at our website, theopenword.com. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Oh yeah, thanks Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again or simply begin with the Gospel of Mark, a short and simple reading. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word.